Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. You may be seated. And a very warm welcome to you this evening on this holy night. Do not worry, I do not have COVID. I've had enough uh, COVID tests. I'm like just kind of, it's a a worn down throat is what that is. And so anyway, uh, next year I was thinking for Advent instead of an Advent calendar, um, uh, the staff and I would just do uh, daily uh, COVID tests and uh, to get us into the mood for this. That was supposed to be hilarious. But anyway, to get us in the mood for the spirit. So, but... um. I want to talk a little bit because we live in a culture, and especially American culture, who has taught us, our culture has taught us that we are free individuals, that uh, with the ability to wield great control, you know, that we have free will and we're able to do all sorts of amazing things. However, if you are watching, if you're watching closely what the virus is doing, is it is challenging that deep-seated idea. And it is proving the notion that human control is actually false. You don't have control. I can't tell you how many holiday plans have been canceled just in the last week. I mean, just trying to get a full team of acolytes has been impossible. Not one person I know who's contracted COVID, including this new Omicron, said, yeah, that was my choice. How many events unrelated to the pandemic have upended people's lives? Fires in California. Last week, I was speaking with a clergy person in Kentucky who told me that three of their parishioners are now homeless, not because of bad choices, but as a result of that big storm that ripped right through the Midwest a couple of weeks ago. No control. As a society, though, we are addicted to being in control. However, it's a facade. It's a facade, and it is being pulled away before our very eyes. And when the veil of control is removed, it can be quite scary. One can feel small and insignificant as you're being pulled and pushed by this political movement, this economic turn, this social cause, this natural disaster, and you begin to wonder, is anyone in control? Or like the Greeks of old, has my life been turned over to the fates? Or this is one of the great lessons from our gospel reading. We have not been left to the whims of fate and chance. Rather, we have a very big God, and nothing is catching him off guard. And he is in total control at work in all things. The opening verses of Luke chapter 2, our gospel reading, teaches us this truth. God is so in control that he orchestrated the Messiah's mother and the legal father to reside in Nazareth so that a prophecy made over 700 years earlier would be fulfilled. 
that the Christ, the Savior of the world, would be called a Nazarene. And God is so in control, unbeknownst to the massive political forces of the world, including the most powerful man in the world at the time, Caesar Augustus. God was at work through all of them. They thought that they were in control, but God was in control of this whole thing. He was in control that a census of the empire would be called in order to get Mary and Joseph to insignificant Bethlehem in order to fulfill prophecy once again 700 years earlier by the prophet Micah that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. This is my first point. Just because life may appear out of control doesn't mean that it actually is. What we learn tonight is that God is in control and he has a plan God is in control of the political forces, the pandemics. He works through both the big and overwhelming and the small and insignificant because he's a very big God and he's in control for one purpose, and that is to bring about salvation for you, for me, and for the whole world. Now, I was thinking about this this week. One could assume If God was in control, surely he could have made sure that the Motel 6 in Bethlehem had a room open. I thought that that was screamingly funny. But anyway, um, uh, you know, you'd think that would, would have happened. Now, in the English language, the word can and will both assume ability. However, the difference is will in English typically drives us to the future and most importantly, indicates a sense of certainty. So, for example, in my household, Jacob can do the dishes. Of course I can, but there's no certainty they'll get done. Now, the word can place things in, the word can can place things into the realm of the hypothetical. So, Jacob will do the dishes is a statement that provides a real sense of certainty. Now, of course, God can be born in the Ritz in Bethlehem to a prestigious and noble family surrounded by dignitaries and celebrities. And of course, he could have, as his life progressed, he can call down legions of angels. And from the cross, he can save himself. However, this is my second point, and it's a very important point. We know that God can do everything and anything he would like. He's in control. However, tonight, and the entire Bible for that matter, testifies and confesses not to what God can do. Rather, tonight testifies, and as Christians we celebrate, what God wills to do. God in control working through the chaos of human existence and human time in human history, God wills to take on flesh and dwell amongst us. God wills to become like you and I in every way, yet without sin. So as our reading from Titus states, we might be justified before God by his grace. 
and we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So what tonight means for you in the here and the now? What does that mean for you? Well, when you are feeling small, when you begin to realize that you have no control, what tonight means for you is because of this babe in the manger who grows up to be the man on the cross, you have inherited. That's the language. It's the language of inheritance throughout the New Testament. You have inherited God's peace. Because in Jesus, you are one whom God clearly favors. And in the midst of an uncontrollable world, this peace manifests itself in three very specific ways, and they're all relational. First, God's peace manifests as a changed relationship with God. You who were once enemies of God are no longer so. This peace is divine. For in Jesus, God has willed to be your father and friend. And whether you believe it or not, God in your baptism has claimed you as his own and will never let you go and is actually at work in the uncontrollable situations of your life for your good and his glory. Second, God's peace has changed our relationship with ourselves. This peace is personal. In what appears to be an out-of-control world, our hearts and our minds can be clouded and bogged down with all sorts of things like guilt, worry, and uncertainty. These are the fruits of not having any control. However, God has willed peace in your heart. And with the peace that God is your father and friend, you can take your guilt, you can take your worry, you can take your uncertainty, you can take your fear and shame, all of it to him. And allow God to restore that peace in your heart. If you're like me, you got to do that about once every five minutes. But third, God's peace has changed our relationship with our neighbor. This peace is relational. God wills peace. We don't have any peace in this country right now, and this is why it's dividing us all. But God wills peace between you and your neighbor, especially your enemy, the one you can't stand. And the peace with God and peace with self, what this does is that this creates in your heart a sense of tenderness, a sense of kindness, and a sense of forgiveness. And you can find, ultimately, the beloved and the most unlovable of people. So this is my third point. Tonight, tonight we celebrate what God wills and has accomplished in this Christ child. And what God has willed is peace. And God's peace as the treasure of your heart. And it is the treasure of your heart. That's why you're here. This big God is guiding and many times carrying us through our out-of-control world 
to that eventual hope of eternal life. So God bless you. May the peace of God rest upon you. May you have a Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org slash give. Thank you for your support.